You're listening to the Author Stories Podcast. Bringing you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Margaret Wise, Sherry Brooks, Sheena Kamal, Matthew Quick, JT Ellison, Walt D. Williams, Brad Ford, Corey, Dr. O, Brandon Sanderson, Robin Mom, Ernest Klein, Jim Butcher, Sherwin Harris. Visit hankgarner.com for archives of all the shows. Today's guest is... Well, thanks for joining me today. I am super excited to have Christina Dodd with me on this edition of the podcast. She has a brand new book called Point Last Scene, and it is a phenomenal book. I know you're going to love it as much as I did. Um, Welcome to the show, Christina. Well, thank you, Hank. I'm so pleased to be here. I am so excited to have you. Um, Christina, we we love to start the show um, with some fun questions, and and I've got one for you uh, today. What is your first memory of wanting to be a writer or storyteller? <laughs> you, you know, basically, I really did think as an adult that the writers were very special people who like lived on an island and took lovers and smoked long cigars and stuff like that. <laughs> Reality is quite is quite different. But um, when I was in eighth grade, I won a writing board. And I, I that was probably like the first taste of of the fun stuff that you can get if you write a good story. Did it did it come with a deed to your own island? It did not. Unfortunately, it, it's <laughs> little it's this little tiny trinket thing that I got. And it's so small that I actually have to put on my reading glasses now to see it. <laughs> have it by god (laughs) that's amazing that is amazing um so do you do you credit that uh that experience with kind of feeding the the storytelling gene that that uh that was inside you you know i i just was my mother read for me to me from the time i can remember um and and i just was a voracious reader so i I, it wasn't so much that I thought I could tell stories, but I, I made them up all the time. And eventually I, I got to that point where I thought, well, how hard can this be? Which is so arrogant and uh, so unbelievable. And it took me 10 years to get published. So that's how hard it can be. Um, it, it, I, it's, it's to me, it was what I was born to do. And um, my first job, actually, I, I went to technical school and I became a draftsman. I designed roads, mines, and sawmills. And so I was completely off the track when it came to that. Uh, <laughs> I, I love yeah, When, when I, my husband and I had our first child, I said to him, well, again, I'm going to write a book because how much trouble can one little baby be? And I, I'm telling you, I have no <laughs> when it comes to this stuff. <laughs> Christina, my wife and I have five kids, and I can tell you exactly how much trouble uh, one little baby can be. Yes, exactly right. <laughs> and the more you have, the more trouble it gets. <laughs> right, right. It's it's it it becomes exponential. It's not just adding one more. It's it it's it, it's orders of magnitude. <laughs> I, I I had a friend one time, and he said, "Once you go beyond two, so that there's one kid for each parent, it's you're sunk." <laughs> <laughs> That's, that is so true. That is so true. Oh, man. Um, so, Christina, I know that you you spent a lot of time uh, before being published working on the craft. And I, I love to to hear how different life experiences feed 
um, the creative life. And on on one hand, you would think that working as a as a draftsman would, you know, that 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 and the the life of a writer are, um, you know, opposite ends. But is, is there any anything that that time doing that kind of work, um, you know, help to uh, to feed what you do now to get, is there any, any yes. connection there that you can point to? Absolutely. I, I can, I guarantee this. I worked for, uh, a, a company, we built sawmills and we would start out with the plot plan, uh, bare ground. We do the foundation, we do the building, we did the machinery and it took, you know, from start to finish, the design work was two years and you start out with nothing and you just do one thing at a time and put one foot in front of another. And eventually what you've got is a whole working edifice. And for me, that that's the important thing with writing books. People really, really have trouble. OK, let me put this more personally. When I start a book, I always have that sensation of I've never done this before. I will never be able to get 400 pages down and actually tell a successful story. And But it's all about taking, it's one word at a time, it's one sentence at a time, it's one chapter at a time, and eventually you have a book. Um, when we when you talk about to people who, who are thinking of writing, but they're afraid to do that start, you just say, okay, if you write one page a day for a year, at the end of the year, you have a book. And that's right. a career. So, um, yeah, no, absolutely. To me, the drafting, it, it gave me a very, um, the other, that other math mindset that uh, you just have to keep, keep going and everything has to be logical too. That helps. Right. Tell me about February 2nd, 1990 at 3.30 PM. What happened? <laughs> that is when I got the phone call from my agent saying, we have sold your book. And it was, just, it, you know, it's it's like the biggest moment of my life. Having my children was huge, and and being married, of course, has kind of been the the steady thing in my life. But that's that was just a shining moment. And we went. I worked at a bookstore because I wanted to know about the book business, and we took the bookstore owner out to dinner because she'd been so instrumental in just teaching me about the business. It was it was wonderful. That I I love when when writers uh, begin working uh, in the publishing industry somewhere. Some people uh, have worked as editors or, or you know on the marketing teams or in bookstores like you did. What what were some of the things that you that you learned about the book business from from your time you know working on on that side of the publishing industry? At the time, because this was a long time ago, we used to get in the uh, book salespeople who would come in and, you know, they would sit there and they'd say, here, this is what we think is going to sell this month. This, And they'd be laying the covers down. And and the lady I worked for had been in the business for long enough. She'd go, you know, 10 of this, 15 of this, 50 of this. She knew exactly what she was doing. But the other thing I learned, and this is possibly more important, was what readers want to read. And you have to, you're not just telling your own story. You also have to try and fit it for your audience. That's that's very important. So the uh, the mindset of, of understanding the market and then uh, 
writing things that that you know that the the market will appreciate um and i I think when when you start talking about writing to market people get the wrong idea like it's some hackish way of of thinking um but you can write an exceptional book but if there are elements of that that no one wants to read um then then you haven't you haven't done anything when i say writing to market it's like if you write a mystery and the mystery doesn't get solved at the end right to market. If you write a romance and the couple doesn't get together at the end, you are not writing a romance. If you're going to target a certain market, and this is, and of course, it's going to be something that you like to read because you better better know what you're doing. Um, you, you need to fulfill the expectations of the reader. This is this is the job. Right. If um, you want, that, if you want that, to continue in the business, that's what you need to do. Exactly. If you want to be a spectacular failure. <laughs> that's a <laughs> different thing. <laughs> That phone call that you got on February 2nd, 1990, uh, that was not for your first novel that you had written, though, was it? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> that was my third completed novel, and I had already start, I was already half through it, halfway through another book because I didn't, I, you know, by the time you've written for 10 years and you've written three books and you've had two kids and you have continued to put that one foot in front of another long enough, you you just you don't ever believe you're actually going to get published. And so I was I was just kept on writing. It did eventually get to be one of those things where I was too stubborn to quit. And, you know, most people would have been just gone ahead and, and gone with it. But as I said, this was really what I was good at and I knew I was good at it. Love it. Um, so. That moment launched your publishing career uh, as we know it now. Um, what what was that first book, and and kind of what what genre territory were you uh, writing in at the at that time? My first my first forty nine books were romance. Um, that my first forty nine books. Let's let's just take a moment to appreciate that. <laughs> it. Um, I, I love to read romance. I, I think, you know, what, trying to watch a man and a woman get together is just, it, it's its funny and it's wonderful. And um, there's always problems. And I think it helps really with anybody's relationships to read those books, to know that you are going to have problems and you keep, keep, keep moving through it. I mean, I've been married so long and, you know, I always say that we have had a lot of happy years and not all of them, though. <laughs> right. Well, I, I, I want to pause you there for just a second, because writing that many romance books, um, you know, for someone that's not a romance reader who, you know, is casually looking into the genre might think, you know, I, you know, boy meets girl, you know, girl plays uh, you know, hard to get. They they banter back and forth and they eventually wind up together. Like like how difficult could this um uh could could the tropes be you know but but there's there as there are seemingly limitless people on the earth and connections to be made uh -huh. there there are that many stories to be told aren't there exactly right exactly right and you know you can always find the very simple stories they're they're out there and they're they're enjoyable in the hand of an expert <sighs> what do they say there's i mean it depends on which theory you read there's only like six six plots out there something right. That and um, so you're always rehashing something that somebody has told before. 
but it's it's how it's told and it's how the journey is and um that's it's just a, as a storyteller that's very exciting that you have so many opportunities to tell different types different versions of the same story it's kind of it's just it's kind of grand and people love to read them too um so but yes okay where was i oh first Forget- First 49 were, were, were romance. Romance. And the first book was Candle in the Window. And um, when I finally sold it, then I then I started winning awards for it, too. I, that's what happens when you write for 10 years. You eventually get to the point where you, you're you good at your craft. And um, so so I and then I just I just kept going. I just I kept I kept writing and kept writing. And I eventually was that overnight success because number 19 hit the New York Times. <laughs> I love the overnight successes that are, you know, 10, 15 years in the making. It was, was, I think, about nine years. Um, So, yeah, it it, it took a while, but you just, I just kept writing. And I wrote, first I wrote, I wrote 25 or 26, I can't remember, historical romances. And then I thought, because when I originally was writing, I was writing historical romance and romance. contemporary romantic suspense and so after I'd written a certain number of historical romances I wanted to go back and write some romantic suspense so I started doing that and then um, I got there was a wild moment in my brain where I was watching um, uh, Fiddler on the Roof and I was kind of thinking about all the paranormal stories out there and I ended up writing paranormal romance and, so, <laughs> and then eventually I went and the, the books I write now are pretty much straight suspense but of course I always have a relationship in them that the, uh, hu- being a human being is to have relationships and um, that it, the, so so that human touch is always there with my books. When uh, if you start looking at at romance um, for very long, you start realizing there are so many subgenres just under romance. Um, yes. you, you can really go deep. Um, where where you you mentioned um, romantic suspense um, and uh, more modern romance uh, or contemporary romance. I'm sorry. Um, how what what types of stories did did you really resonate with and and that that they could just flow oh i i don't i only write books i want to read and so they all the stories themselves always resonate are the books always easy to write of course not some stories i just come out more easily than others some stories you just know where you're going right from the beginning and you just go Boom, boom, boom. Some days it's just it's just it's just a job. It's like every job in the entire world. Some days it's not so much fun. And you're trying to do 10 pages a day. And sometimes it takes three hours and sometimes it takes 12 hours. And that's that's what happens. But it's, as I said, still a great job. And I'm not good for much else. You know, at this point I can cook and I can write and that's about it. (laughs) (laughs) So the. If the first 49 books uh, were were romance, then uh, when did uh, you start shifting gears a bit? I, then, then I went. Then it went to, I went to suspense. Yeah, book 50 was Virtue Falls, and um, it was a hardcover suspense, and and that's where I've been since. It's, it's very much more suspense and and much lighter on the 
relationships. But suspense is is straight suspense is much more difficult because you have so not difficult. That's the wrong word. but it's more intricate as in you have to have so many different suspects and and you're going to set up this whole situation with crime and um but it's also very much a a lot of fun in in point last scene uh it's set in gothic california and what we have is this entire town that is built around this this story that they have that at night the fog comes in it goes out and when it comes back in it brings in souls from the dead and and so they have this whole legend in in gothic which they're playing off of they have a psychic reading they have a psychic fair they (laughs) they just they're having a great time with with these um with the and and it brings in the tourists and that's the idea this is how the town is surviving and um it was I was able to write so many eccentric characters in Gothic. It was, I had, I had someone else to say to me who read the book early, this is like a cozy mystery because you have so many eccentric people in this book. I want to, I want to uh, talk about Gothic and this, the setting that you have for this book. Um, it, and, and because I, I love it so much. Um, but okay. before we get to that, um, having written 49 books in the romance genre, and I, I think you had pretty well planted your flag and, and established yourself as as a, a force to, you know, to reckon with in, in that space um, to then switch to um, to a different genre. Were you ever afraid that your readers wouldn't follow you over or, um, you know, was that ever a concern that, you know, I've. I've done so much work here. I've established so much ground. Um, you know, did did it scare you to to try something that new? Um, I don't remember being frightened. I remember being challenged. Um, That's a good way to look at it. I my of course, many of my readers did not follow me into suspense. They, you know, I, I had one lady who came to meet me at an autographing when I was with some of my early suspense books, and and she said. And she came to meet me because she said, but she said, I can't read these. They scare me. And I was like, well, oh, no. that is a perfectly valid reason. But she she still, you know, wanted to meet me because because she she loved those uh, romances. I All of my romances also included a suspense plot. So it was not the, as huge a jump as you're visualizing. I, um, sure. I, I, I that was how I knew how to write a romance was to set up a suspense plot in it. And um, but but, of course, you know, it, it's 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 challenging. One of the reasons I have done crazy things as I have um, and switched to genres several times, as I said, within romance and then into suspense is because I like the challenge. I to me, it keeps my writing fresh and I enjoy that. Um, I don't know at this point that I'll ever retire. I, I think I'll probably die in the saddle. <laughs> Die with your boots on, as we say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, since you had written um, sus- uh, romance with with suspense plots a lot, um, when you switched over to writing suspense, what are some of the hallmarks of the genre that differentiate those two? Uh, I, I understand that the the books that you write now aren't necessarily so heavy on relationships, but there are relationships. There are. Um, you, you know, we're, we're set in a small town. There's obviously going to be, um, 
human interaction and 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 I think you you know what I mean there. But what what is the difference that what is that line that separates a romantic suspense from a, a more traditional suspense? Um, usually the crime is a little more intense and a little more focused. Um, and you're kind of it's it's there's a there's a toughness about suspense. Um, you're actually t- I've, I've written some scenes that were really hard for me to write because I'm a <laughs> I'm a soft person and uh, but you you just sit down and kind of write them a little bit at a time because it's 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 you know real life is kind of grittier than it is in a in a romance normally uh, and there so that's the difference but then also it's a wider focus when you're in when doing romance you're doing a very strong focus on the hero and the heroine and how they are getting from point A to point B in their relationship. Um, with a suspense, you're actually just really focusing on the crime and how somebody is going to figure things out and uh, who's, who's, you know, who's doing it. Usually I have glimpses at least of the, of the bad guy in there and, uh, or work, bad woman, whatever. Um, and so it's just, it's a white, it's a wider focus. There's just more characters for one thing. Gotcha. Um, I love a small town setting. Uh, I, I don't even really care what the genre is. I just, I love the intimacy of a small town. I love the, uh, the feeling that all of the characters know each other or could know each other or, um, you know, I, I know your uncle, um, you know, kind of like there's there's a connection there um, that whether it's an immediate connection or a, a loose connection that they're just there's something um, special about small towns and, and this setting. And, you know, as opposed to. Um, something set in Los Angeles or uh, or New York or some massive city. And and that makes me think of uh, like Michael Connelly's Bosch novels, even though it's, you know, set in, in Los Angeles in this huge town, most of the story uh, kind of centers around uh, Bosch's precinct. And, and you've got a cast of characters there that are connected. And then, you know, the, the, the larger city plays into it, but there's always, um, this desire to uh, to have a community, uh, no matter what size town you're in. What what does writing a small town offer you as an author when when you've got that clean slate and you start thinking of a setting? Um, wh- what does that that type of setting do for you? It's, uh, all of all of the suspenses take place in small towns for exactly the reason you're talking about. Is you you really got, you can pull in that tighter focus on on the characters. Uh, and and I live in a fairly t- small town now in Washington, and um, and then I but I've lived in Houston. I lived in Houston for 21 years before we moved here, and um, so I, I understand how you can set that smaller town into a, a bigger town at the same time. It's it's nice to have the that small town intimate feel. People like it, and I think there's a mythology about that. For sure. Um, for me, the challenge has been when I write a small town, how do you make sure that if you're going to commit a crime, how do you not have a kind of a stagnant situation where how, if it's a small town, why don't you figure it out right away? 
So I invariably make my towns be a tourist town so that we have uh, people wandering in and out that are not actually established there. Right, right. And yeah, it's, it's, it's been, uh, it's, uh, small towns are just a, a fun place to write because you actually can write such fabulously eccentric characters. And uh, it makes people laugh. I, I, you know, there, it, there, there's a lot of humor involved in the, in those wild people. Well, it's, it's kind of fun because we, we talk about, um, setting as a care or place as a character uh, in a lot of situations. And especially in this situation where you've got a small town, a tight knit community, and then you introduce an outsider, the place almost does become a character because it's, it's Gothic versus, um, the newcomer, you know, in, in a, in an interesting way. And you've, you've got all of these disparate characters that can bind together to create, um, you know, this, this, uh, spirit of Gothic, if you will. Yes, exactly. That's exactly right. Um, I, I always see the the small town as an actual character too. And I, I'd like to, um, help it along. I like to, I, I like to promote the town. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I have people say, I would love to visit there. And I, it's like, yeah, I would too. <laughs> with, um, with the advent of, of Google maps and Google earth and, and all of this, uh, technology that we have now to, um, to really connect with, with places that, that we may never travel to. Um, does, does that make it easier or more difficult to create a fictional town and to, to find a place that you could drop this town into where people, you know, wouldn't, uh, you say, Christina, you can't do that because, you know, this highway doesn't, you know, that for all of the reasons where people want to nitpick about things, is, is it difficult to find a place to put these places? Absolutely not. I totally um, um, just say, where can I put this isolated town? And I put it there. And, and the readers, I've never actually had a reader say that. Um, really? No, no, not once. Um, I, I put uh, Virtue Falls was out on the uh, Washington Peninsula, and I couldn't put it in Forks because somebody already did that, uh, and that's really kind of the only town out there. And so I just I just totally plopped it down and and put it out there. Uh, Gothic is on Big Sur, and there are towns, but nowhere close close to where I was. Um, my husband and I one of the thing this spring we went and we drove Big Sur because I wanted to. I, I'm originally from California, and um, I remember it very fondly, and, and I wanted to see whether I had been way too nostalgic or whether things had changed or not. And the thing is, of course, Big Sur is what it is. It, it will, it, civilization doesn't actually touch it. And so I was very pleased to see that as a setting, as as the area, I had nailed the area. I, was, I really got that right. Um, but th- there's no there's no town there. But nobody seems to care. There, there. You know, if you tell the story well, people go along for the for the voyage for the time. That's great. Do Do you find that nostalgia um, uh, works in your favor, or uh, can it uh, work against you? Like, like you, you were afraid that that the the landscape had changed, the the feeling had changed, and in um, you know, was this just the way I remembered in an idyllic way? Um, how, how does uh, nostalgia play into whether a story works or not? I think nostal- if you're going to talk about 
the small town mythology you're talking about nothing but but nostalgia um yeah yeah people really want the small town to be what they think it could possibly be i actually went to high school in a small town and i have to tell you it's not <laughs> nearly as charming as uh, <laughs> you, you people want to think Oh, sure. Sure. I, I live in a small town and uh, and live in a state full of small towns in Mississippi. And um, yeah, it, it cannot be as as yeah. as beautiful and idyllic as, as you make it out to be. But uh, that being said, um, those real life uh, incidences don't necessarily have to play into our fiction. That That's one great thing about fiction. Yes, that it is. It's fiction. And, um, you know, readers, once they make the jump with you, they're they're willing to go. Um, you really have to do something. Bad. You have to do something that is so wrong to pull them out of it. And I, one of the things the readers have said to me, usually on social media, is I hate it when somebody sets it into my real town and then they don't get the details right. And mm. I don't I never set it into a real town because it's details change for one thing you know I, right. I, i've had a book set in boston i've had one set in, in, in uh, san antonio i mean you have to be careful because uh, my books are still out there and the town has changed so I'm, I'm definitely going with fictional settings now well not only that but when you uh when you deal with a, a real place uh especially one that is kind of touristy um, you've got the the tourist culture, and then you've got the local culture. And when when we travel somewhere, I always like to find the little places where the locals go eat because right. you can find an Olive Garden anywhere. Um, you know, and you're going to get the exact same food in in Mississippi that you're going to get in Oregon or in you know Washington State or Nebraska. It's it's all going to be the same. But what what is it? What's the local flavor that where the real people go, and and that's you know and we if you're if you're not careful you'll put in all the little touristy facts and you might get it right, but the people that actually live there are going to roll their eyes and say, yeah. oh, well he doesn't really get it. Right. There's a, they, they always talk about throwing the book against the wall and that'll do it every time. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, Christina, when it's time to to write a new book, when when the you know you you are a professional author and you you know have a schedule that you that you work to make sure that all of your projects get out on time and the you know the wheels keep turning, all that good stuff. When when it comes time to start a brand new book, and and you sit down and the page is blank. Um, what is the first thing that comes to you? Like at at one moment point last scene doesn't exist in any form or fashion but maybe you start thinking about a plot point or you know like this would be fun to do in a small town or maybe a character walks onto the stage of your mind or maybe you have seen something on the news and you start playing the what if game in your mind and, and then then point last scene does exist and it's your job as the writer to kind of dig that story out and and dust it off and shape it into the thing that it's eventually going to be. What is that first moment of inspiration like for you? I actually have a story about Point Last Scene, which is I was writing a suspense set partially on a cruise ship. And um, it was about 100 pages in and the pandemic hit. 
and the cruise industry shut down. Mm. And I suddenly had an anchor of a book. There was, I had, where was it going to go? I didn't know if the cruise industry would actually recover or not. Right. <laughs> And then who who wants to read a book about something that you used to could do but can't exactly. anymore? Exactly. I mean, it was I was just I was just like, oh my god! And so you know, being a writer, I threw things and yelled and stomped around and whined a lot. And then I decided maybe <laughs> there were people within the pandemic that were having a much more difficult time than I was, like the medical people and the people who were ill. And um, so I. I sat down and I thought very, very hard. And what I had was the opening for a historical romance that I'd never been able to work into um, a book. I just, I've never, I liked the opening, but it was, uh, the story never presented itself to me. And so I started thinking about that because what it was, was a woman rolling up on to the shore and, and being found. And she doesn't know where she is, who she is, or she said doesn't one or the other. I, I didn't know which one it would be. And and because I'd been working with the cruise industry and I was kind of on the beach already, that was where I started point last scene. And I managed to come up with a suspense plot to go with that that beginning. And that is how the book got written. Uh, wow. It's not necessarily inspiration. It's frequently desperation. That, that gets <laughs> where you go. Love that. What was the most fun character to write for you in this book? Madame Rune. She's um, she's she's the fortune teller, and uh, she was originally a psychologist in in Hollywood, and um, she 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 actually this is my COVID character. Um, she actually he it was it was originally a he he was very sick with with um, um, COVID, and when he came out of it. He had uh, Julia Child's voice and he wasn't being taken seriously as a psychologist anymore, psychiatrist anymore. And, uh, and he wanted to look at the world from a different point of view. And so he actually puts on gypsy fortune teller type clothes and goes and lives in, in, in um, Gothic. And of course, the thing about changing somebody from a psychologist into a fortune teller is she knows how to write ask all the questions now she she when when the hero actually says to her what pronoun would you like me to use rather than having a definite answer she says what pronoun do you think you want to use <laughs> and so it's it's she's just and, and she's the crimes um so it was just it was, it was just there were a lot a lot of characters that were just amazing fun you know people spy on each other with, with their binoculars and you know it's it's just a lot of fun and i have a, a um one of the lady that owns the town actually does own the town is you know up on a, it's got a castle always interfering and nobody can stand her it's it's, it's, it's so much fun point last scene uh, when you're hearing this, uh, it's available everywhere July 26th. Um, go grab it in your local bookstore. Or uh, if uh, if you choose to, use the links that we put in the show notes where you can grab it in Kindle edition or uh, the paper edition that you can hold in your hands. Uh, also available from Audible as an audiobook. Um, Christina, have you heard any of the, the advanced uh, audiobook? Yes, actually, it's on my website, which is christinadodd.com. 
And uh, yes, we've got a clip on on that page, the audio page for it. It's, so fun. It, you know, if, yes, the, the voice actors are wonderful with the audio books. Love it. I love it. Um, the book is available now. Go grab it today. Uh, Christina, this has been so much fun. If, if people are looking for, you know, to dig into your back catalog and follow along uh, with what all you've got going on, is your website the best place for them to go visit? I have, I have a book, the list of books in, in series. And I also have, you know, on the book page and, and click the covers and, and didn't answer. Uh, please go to the, the website. You can get all the information there. And and newsletter because I'm always sending out. Excellent. We'll put links to all that in the show notes to make it easy for folks to find. Christina, thank you so much for taking time to come on the show. Thank you. Insightfully, it's always great to talk to somebody who's really read the book and enjoyed it.